Hello, everybody, and welcome to Star Talk, a podcast presented by the Anniston Star. I'm Philip Tudor, a columnist here at the newspaper, and today I'll be joined by John Nesbitt, a member of the famous Nesbitt family of Jacksonville, Alabama. I invited John to be on today's podcast because he has added his important voice to those who are urging Jacksonville City Council to move the Confederate monument out of the city square and relocate it to a more suitable location. That monument has stood in Jacksonville for more than 100 years. John's opinion matters because his family's name is synonymous with the city of Jacksonville, and he has even presented the council with what may be a palatable solution. Here's our interview. Thank you, John, for being with us today. I appreciate you uh, agreeing to be on our podcast. Happy to do it. Um, let's start at the beginning. Um, for people who don't know you and your family history with Jacksonville, can you kind of fill me in the the short Wikipedia version of uh, your family in Jacksonville and how you fit in there? The elevator speech is that I start at the end. My dad, John B. Nisbet Jr., I'm John B. Nisbet III, John B. Nisbet Jr. was mayor of Jacksonville for about 20 years, but in the 70s and into the 80s. He passed away in 95, lost his last election in 1988. The beginning of the story of my family in Jacksonville was, a hey, John Nesbitt came from North Georgia um, in the early 1830s, um, got caught up in the um, removal of the Cherokees and um, Jackson's um, one author put adroit handling of the Indian situation <laughs> and um, <laughs> purchased uh, his son purchased the land that is more than just the water tower hill on Ladaga Street. He purchased that whole section from a group of four Indians that had purchased it from the government <laughs> when it went up for sale in 1837. Okay. Um, that was that was John Y. Nisbet, John Nisbet's son. The original house is at the corner of Thomas Street and College Street. Um, that burned. Famously, my dad says, when they took ashes and put them into a cardboard box and put the ashes out on the back porch and the ashes caught fire and burned the house down. Of course, <laughs> cardboard apparently wasn't made until sometime after 1900, so sure. that wasn't it. Um, I grew up in a house in Ladaga Street, 310 Ladaga, it's a 1890s Victorian, East Lake Victorian um, and then moved over by the college on Mountain Avenue as a child. Went to first grade, integrated first grade class, graduated from Jackson High School in 1979. And you are, uh, and so now you're an attorney in Tennessee, correct? That's correct. Okay. That's correct. I live in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee, a little town called Livingston. Been here about, as far as the world, about 25 years. Okay. But you still, obviously, as you had pointed out, you have you know, ties to Jacksonville, and I'm assuming an emotional attachment to the city as well. Oh, very much so. Um, uh, my mother just left Jacksonville five years, about when we were talking about this at lunch, five years ago she had a stroke, and we had to put her in some assisted living facilities um, near my sister over in Atlanta. Um, before she had her stroke, she and I came up with the idea, or I came up with the idea to do a picture book of Jacksonville with Arcadia Publishing. Okay. Um, and that book was kind of, so the impetus for me to write that book was because the only history of Jacksonville was a 
book that I refer to as the Red Book, written by Miss Annie Doggett, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for the uh, as Miss um, Doctor Springer points out, the 50th anniversary of the founding of the UGC chapter in Jacksonville. Okay, that that book was published by the First National Bank. Um, Mr. Gray wrote the introduction into it, and it wasn't a very good history of Jacksonville. Um, Miss Forney also was instrumental in getting some uh, just quote unquote historical markers put around the square, right. honoring her relatives, the Forney brothers who were generals in the Civil War, mm-hmm. and really that was the only history of Jacksonville that was out there. Hmm. And so, in whenever this book was written, twelve I believe, fourteen. Um, we finally got it together. I thought I had plenty of photographs. 2015, so copyright date. I thought I had enough photographs in my family. <laughs> sure. It turned out not anywhere near enough. <laughs> Found them everywhere. Jacksonville Public Library, Jack State, Alabama Room, some in the um, uh, Aniston Public Library. The Russell Brothers took a good many, the famous Russell Brothers mm-hmm. from Aniston took a, took a good many that are in the book. Um, so it's, it was a fun book to write about the history of Jacksonville. So, yes, it's very close to me. So, um, if the elephant in the room now is that you're, this city that's so close to you is one of the ones that is debating on what to do with one of their Confederate monuments. And you wrote a letter that I believe to the city council in Jacksonville that I believe was presented this week to them where you ask the council to, to consider moving the monument, the Confederate monument, and you offer um, some space at the local cemetery that's that your family owns. And so, can, can you, I'd like for you to walk me through that. In that, you know, why did you write that letter, um, and what do you hope to happen in Jacksonville in this situation? Well, in working on the book, I came to the conclusion that there was just no getting around. The straight up fact that my family owned slaves. Okay. Everybody that was a Nisbet in Jacksonville or a Nisbet in law had some some amount of slaves. Okay. Um, I got involved to write an article in the New York Times about John Pelham. Right. And when John was killed in Culpeper, Virginia, he had his two slaves. He had two slaves with him hmm. off of his father's farm out in Alexandria, and that they had a lot of slaves. Right. Oh yeah. So. We have a history in Jacksonville of, of um, we have black people and white people that have lived in Jacksonville for a very long time. Right. Miss um, Norris, I believe, in my book, when we talked about integrating the schools, said we went to the other side. And I said, hmm. Jeannie, what do you mean? She said, we went to the other side, other side of the town, other side of the world, hmm. other side of our lives. Right. Um, when I was in seventh grade, I was a scary little boy, scared to death to go to the pep rallies. <laughs> and I believe that year, the band, during the pep rallies on Friday afternoon, played Dixie. <laughs> the next year, they started playing the theme from Soul Train. Oh, the wow. Sound of Philadelphia. Yeah. And once I began to kind of, as an adult, began to kind of understand that, wow, what a great change. What a tremendous change. Sure. Several years ago, I began to think about what, how public funds are spent to maintain uh, primarily UDC statues on public property sure. in, all across the South. Oh, yeah. It's, um, very, it's very common. Yes. 
um, Franklin's involved in the Franklin Tennessee's involved in a lawsuit because they actually deeded the property to the UDC chapter hmm. in what has become their town square. We're in a huge fight in Tennessee over the bust of Nathan Bedford Forrest, right? Who I would categorize as a murderer. Sure, for what he did in Fort Pillow, right? He's got a bust in the state capitol, and there is a state law that makes the governor issue a proclamation on his birthday honoring Nathan Bedford Forrest. Well, you know, you can't. We're spending government funds right. to maintain a, 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 a monument, in this case, monument and historical markers, and I put quotes around historical markers, that um, continue this oppression of a group of our citizens. Right, right. Who, who pay money. Into our state, into our local and city, city, local and state government coffers, sure, and then are denied, denied um, access to that. Um, oh, the New York Times, there, Harold Raines mm-hmm. wrote uh, an editorial a few years ago, I think, in the New York Times, where he recounted as a, he grew up in Birmingham, wealthy family in Birmingham, had a maid. The maid's daughter wanted to go to nursing school. She couldn't go to the nursing school in Birmingham, right? UAB, right? Because guess what? It was all white in right. 1950, whatever. So she had to go, I think, somewhere in Mississippi, Louisiana, to a private school, hmm. and the family ran out of money. Didn't have enough money to send her back for the second or third year. I think it was the second year. And Harold was like, "How is this possible?" Sure, John. Let me ask you this: um, You're feeling that this statue should be moved this has you, you had that feeling prior to this national movement that has come up here in the last few months that seems to have kind of swept the country and, and brought this to a head in a lot of our cities and counties here in the united states this is not a new thought of yours is that correct no 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 no, no. i've thought about this a long time and had had run across Several months ago, uh, maybe more than a couple of years ago, an art article about a historical monument that DeKalb County, Georgia, mm-hmm. had put up next to the, the twin of the one in Jacksonville, a monument erected by the UDC about 1900, 1910, and it contextualized the marker. Okay. Put up by the UDC. Right. Um part of the lost cause um, mythology put up here to say to, to indicate to blacks that lived in the town, know your place. Sure. Or worse. Right. Or worse language. Right. Um, and so I went, that's what you need to put. It, it, let's contextualize it. Sure. And, and, if, you don't want, if you don't want to take them down, fine. Right. Okay. But if we can move them, let's move them. Sure. The and, folks and, and, the folks in Memphis took down Bedford Forest. That's right. And I think they're going to dig him up. I think he and his wife are buried in, under the base of it. And let me tell you, my friends, I went to school in Memphis. My friends yeah. down there, yeah. some of them are mad as Hank over it. I can imagine. Mainly, mainly because they buried Nathan Bedford Forrest and his wife in the nice Olivet Cemetery, I think. It was That's right. And then, nice they, and then they moved it. And they drug him up and right. moved him and bought property on the river. And then when the city said, well, we'll maintain it, they, they deeded over the property, to, as I understand it, to the city, and then raised money to put a statue of him on right. it. And now the city did this funny thing and gave it to another group, and then they um, hauled the statue down and hauled him away. Sure. Um, so this has been going on in my mind for a long time, and then 
I began to think, where I live, we have a very small minority population. And um, I began to think, what's, you know, this is a real thing. Where did I know this the best? Well, Jacksonville. It turned out Lynn Veazey, a preacher at First Presbyterian in Jacksonville and mm-hmm. down in Linlock, who lives in my, my house at 310 East Sodaga, she and her husband, came through to see my mother. And we were talking Friday morning. And she got overheard me talking about this, what you're talking about, the larger Black Lives Matter movement and what's going on in Jacksonville. Lynn said there's a going Monday morning to the council with a packet of information asking them to take the statue down, the monument down. And I went, holy cow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let, let me let me let me get it on this bandwagon. Sure. Um, let me, know, let, John, let me stop you there and interject just for a second. In that you had mentioned the the whole point of or the option, I guess, of conceptualizing and putting some things in context. You know, th- there are some historians that will say that that is the better option instead of taking something down that's been up for a hundred years or so, which in one essence is, is kind of history in itself, um, that it's, it's, a, it's a better option from a historical standpoint to put up a secondary, a, whether it's a marker, another statue, something that, as you mentioned, explains the larger point of why this is there, why it was put up, and how it is viewed today. Um, what, is that something that you would be okay with if the council in Jacksonville did that, or would are you staunchly in favor of moving it? Well, I think that there is, um, that's one option I said in the letter was, you know, if you want to leave it in place, let's put a monument next to it, that can, something next to it that could, sort of says what this is about. Sure. Dr. Um, Stringer found, and has provided me with, a photograph of a lynching that happened, she thinks, in about 1879 or 1880 right. on the square in Jackson. Yes, a, I, know, a, I know which one you're talking about. Yes, yes. Yes, yes you've read about it. Yes. Um, Philip, when you think about where that lynching took place, mm-hmm. I think that picture is within 20 feet of where the monument stands. Maybe. So you have to ask yourself, you, there's two or three things I think about. One is, what... Well, what was the signal that the town, that all the white people in that picture, that lynched that black man? What was the message they were sending to the black community in Jacksonville when they lynched him? Sure. It was, it it was, the, it was a okay. message, absolutely. It wasn't just retaliation for some action. It was a message to the larger community. I, I, don't, I don't know how you could interpret a lynching to be anything else besides that. Right. Some version of, know your place. Exactly. So... Then you have a group of women. I was trying to count up the number of women in, um, that, that were, on, were part of the UDC chapter at that point. It's maybe a dozen, maybe two dozen mm-hmm. white women mm-hmm. who formed this society and tried to raise some money to put, us, put this up, honoring 50-plus years later. The, you can say it this way, the, the, the men who committed treason against the United States of America mm-hmm. to preserve slavery in the state of Alabama. Sure. Well, I, I, let me, what, message, what message does that send? What message did that send? And what message does that continue to send right. to any non-white citizens of Jacksonville? You know, I will what say, message does that send to me, little bit yeah, white boy in Jacksonville? I, I will say this, John. I mean, I've lived here 30 years here in Calhoun County, and um, 
so you know I don't have the family history that you do with, with that city, but nevertheless, it's amazing to me that on one side of that monument there's a quotation. It's the most intensive quotation I've ever seen in my from, life from Jefferson Davis, and I don't have oh, it right that's here. Not the, I don't that's have not the offensive one. Well, the other oh. side's offensive one. Well, to me, the Jefferson Davis one, if I remember it correctly, it mentions, and I'm gonna paraphrase here, but it's that our cause is right, that we may have lost the war, but our cause is right, and it will always be right. And that, that's a euphemism, to, in my mind, of you know, their cause was obvious. It was, we want to be free to do as we wish, and part of that is to have a society that enslaves black people. Let me and, read this to you. And, I've got it here. Yeah, Let okay, none of the do. survivors of these men offer in their behalf the penitential plea. Mm-hmm. Quote, they believe they were right, close quote. Right. Being ours to transmit to posterity our unequivocal confidence in the righteousness, in their righteousness of the cause for which these men died. Right. So, the other side of it is the motto of the Forney chapter. Mm-hmm. Times change, men often change with them, principles never. So if you are an African-American, whether in Jacksonville or Calhoun County at large, because th- that statue is on a prominent road, right, you know, north-south road in the county, so you don't have to be in Jacksonville to see it, uh, or to live in Jacksonville to see it. Um, how is that not an offensive, egregious, awful example of, yep. in public in a public space um, that should not be there. I mean, well, in a public place that, that, that government money is being spent to maintain. Right, Philip. I would say if we want to leave it there, let's contextualize it. But let's go down to the lynching museum in Montgomery and get yes, get, <laughs> yes, get the markers that they have prepared for every county. I think in the country that lynching is taking place in, and they have urged the counties to come pick them up. Yes, that's exactly right. Calhoun so County, Calhoun County has not done that yet. Well, of course not. Yeah, yeah. So let's go down and get those two. Get get them. I think one of them they know about that you've t- t- gotten a picture of mm-hmm. um, the, the the dirt from. Let's go down and get that man's. Obelisk, I think it is, um, whatever that marker is, and let's bring it back to Jacksonville, put it wherever it was he was lynched, Gallon County, and let's bring the picture that Dr. Stringer has found, let's get that man recognized, bring his marker, and let's put it where he was lynched. Sure. Right there, right there on the square in Jacksonville. Yeah. Now, do I want to see, deal with the lynching every day? No. Do I want to see that horrible inscription on on a statue, on a monument with a statue on top looking north so if the Yankees ever invade, mm-hmm. we'll know it. Um, I don't. Sure. Let me ask you this, John. In, in fairness, um, there were people at the city council meeting this week that were uh, in opposed of, they certainly they were opposing the, even the notion of moving that monument. Can Sir. you, you're obviously a very educated man who loves you know the city of, of your birth, can you understand, on some level, people who say, hey, that's my heritage, I don't want you to move that? Can you understand their position at all? Oh, oh, certainly, certainly. Um, I, it's my grandfather, great-grandfather, has a 
monument out at the cemetery. William Milo Nisbet's got it up Confederate States of America. He was an assistant surgeon in the war. He has that marker by his grave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Grew up at the cemetery, you know? Um, the heritage, though, that's what to me is so offensive about that phrase. Okay. What, what's offensive to the you? Righteousness, about the righteousness for the cause for which these men died. Right. I've read the document, the, the secession document that the state of Alabama mm-hmm. passed in Montgomery. Right. It says, and I'll paraphrase this, we are fighting for the white cause in this state to continue to, to continue the tradition of slavery. They use the word slavery. Right. They say it's the sole purpose of our seceding from the United States of America. Right. To have a monument that says that cause was right, I have some real problems with that. Sure. My dad had problems when these um, Sons of Confederate Veterans organized a chapter in town mm-hmm. and wanted to put a flagpole out at the cemetery where the both northern and southern um, graves are the, the folks that died at the Presbyterian Church. Right. And, and he said, I think he was a member of the society. But I would come home from school or where it was I was living, and I would get and go into the outbuilding at, at his house there on Wadaga Street, and there would be all these Confederate flags. Hmm. And I would go, Dad, what's this about? And he said something like, I told those boys if they wanted to put a flag on that flagpole out there at the cemetery near those graves, they needed to fly the real Southern Confederate States of America flag hmm. and not to fly the battle flag. Right, because they are different. They're very different. Right. And and as you well know, the battle flag began to show up in our, in the, our part of Alabama sometime after the Brown versus Board of Education. That's the right. came down and the schools were integrated That's and right. it was clearly a symbol of I'll just say it, white racism. Oh, sure. And Governor um, Governor Wallace put them famously uh, on all the state trooper cars. They're on the front of the state trooper cars. <laughs> and our friend Aza Carter, who's buried down there in Anniston, yep. wrote the phrase, mm-hmm. segregation now, segregation to today, segregation tomorrow, forever, wherever that goes. John, let me ask you this, back to the, the, the people who may oppose this notion. Some of them, you mentioned your family, you know, back in the day, owned slaves. There are some people who who they firmly believe in what they would say they're upholding their their southern heritage and they will say hey my family was poor my family never owned slaves um and i shouldn't you know my right as a southerner to honor my family and my ancestors shouldn't be taken away how would you answer that you can honor it all you want on any property you own there is a there is a statue of um, Bedford, Nathan Bedford Forrest mm-hmm. on a horse just south of Nashville right. on private property right next to the interstate. Right. There is a Confederate flag up here next to Monterey, Tennessee, flying right beside I forty. Private property, private property. Stone Mountain, Georgia, I think is private property. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I do what you want on property you own, sure. But if we've got government property or main property maintained by the government, you shouldn't do it. I'll go one further than that. Okay. Right now in the Jacksonville in the in the historic history room at the Jacksonville Library, public library, there are two there's a filing cabinet and there's a safe. Hmm. The filing cabinet is 
the minutes of the United Daughters of the Confederacy, their chapter minutes, mm-hmm. whatevers, they gave that to the city in 1985, 86, and signed, an, and, and when my dad was mayor, and they signed an agreement with the UDC, the lady, Miss Childress, it was, I think it was Miss Childress, was head of the library, signed a document saying, we will accept this and store it for y'all, and we will only open it with a UDC member present, mm-hmm. and, and they will maintain the only key. I don't know in 2020 why that's still okay. But that is still the way it's operated. I, I know that because I've, tr- I've tried to there. get those fu- those files and I can't do it. Yeah. Correct. Second, there is a safe. And inside that safe is a dogger type of John Pelham taken by, I think his name is Brady, something Brady. Matthew Brady? Matthew, yes, Matthew yeah. Brady. Thank yes. you. Yeah. I saw the twin of it at the National Archives in Washington, D.C. Hmm. Hmm. They have one in that vault. But the library says the only people that have access to that are members of the John Forney Society. Wow. Who, in Culpeper, Virginia, I don't think really exist anymore. <laughs> they, they all, they've, they've all either gotten old or died. Sure. All the officers sure. of, of it. So, it, it, but, but the, the Brady Dollar type is probably worth a bazillion dollars. Oh, sure. That's exactly what I would, yeah, when you mentioned that, that's the first thing I thought of, is the value of it. Yeah. Um, So why, why do we have, why do we have public maintained building space supporting private enterprises, private entities? Sure. I think my dad gave, gave, loaned a bunch of stuff to a little museum there and we used to be in the old city hall. I don't know what's happened to it. From my perspective, it's it's theirs to do with. We do need a historical museum in Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. I thought one of the best places to do would maybe where to put it would be in the Houston Coal Library mm-hmm. because libraries. That's a big, beautiful building, and libraries are there's not much need for them anymore. Sadly, yeah. Yeah. Um, what a great place to put, you know, stuff about dead people. Other people have suggested let's build a history museum out at the out where the dead people are out at the city cemetery. <laughs> That's not a bad idea either. Sure. So to, to me, there, it's kind of, there, there are several good options. Well, several options. One is you would take the monument down and put it in storage and pay the state of Alabama $25,000 fine for removing the statue. Right. I don't think that's necessarily a good option. Um, somebody suggested moving out to Janney Furnace. Well, that's, that, that's, what, property. that's what Eli Henderson, you know, out of Janney wants to do. He's, he desperately wants it. <laughs> I take that, take the historical markers that the, the UDC put up to yeah. honor the Forneys and yeah. the Forney family, take all of that out there. Yeah. That's a great, I've offered my family, my wife, new wife, mm-hmm. we talk, I don't know how we came up with this macabre stuff, but my, she said, where do you want to be buried? And I said, I don't care, but besides you, I said, where do you want to be buried? She said, Jacksonville, mm-hmm. in the family plot, and I went, oh my gosh, you must be crazy girl. <laughs> There's plenty of space. <laughs> There's a big, there's a relatively big spot yeah. that my mother owns okay. that dad bought, put, got put together, reclaimed. I'm not quite sure what terminology you would use. And we could put it on there, I think. Um, if that's not really an appropriate place. If, if my go, if my lodestar is, um, not on property maintained by the city. 
Right. Because the city cemetery is the main thing by the city. Sure, but it's not the public square. I mean, it, 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 there's even though they both may be publicly owned, it is still there is a big difference, at least in my mind, of having it in the square of the city versus a city cemetery that's uh, off the beaten path a little bit. Don't disagree with that. Now, if we put it in that plot, you are thirty feet from General Burke's grave. Mm-hmm. General Burke is the Yankee general that came through here, came through Alabama, and Jacksonville during the war. This is the Civil War, of course. Right. Um, like the area, came back, built his house where Bib Graves Hall now stands. Hmm. And the story's always been that the driveway that we use every day when you go to Bib Graves Hall was General Burke's driveway. Hmm. Now, is a Yankee General's family going to be offended by having a monument to the put it by the UEC to the southern states right beside his grave? <sighs> you know, maybe not. Right beside the Forney General's graves. But there's a... There's a fundamental difference to me between that monument erected in 1910, 09 mm-hmm. or 10, and the monuments that I saw as a kid with my Boy Scout troop wandering around Shiloh. Right. Or There's a huge difference. Absolutely. Those were put up um, shortly after the war, right next to the um, right next to the graves right. of the war dead. Right. Absolutely. Now, I was in Boston and saw the monument in Boston at wherever it is in a big public space to their Civil War soldiers. Mm-hmm. And I kind of went, well, that's a little unusual. What's that doing up here? Um, but so if it was erected within, you know, 10 or 15 years of the war, it's a little different. Sure. On the graves, John Pelham's marker is, a, I think, is an appropriate place. Now, my mother was telling me a story today that she heard that the Pelham family didn't want them to put it on this grave. Well, apparently what was on his grave wasn't very nice. That's per- that, that is correct, yes. Um, a mound of oyster shells, basically. Right. And um, this, the, yeah, the, the, the actual statue was added you know, well after his death. Well after, yes. Yeah. yes. Well, at the same time, 1908, 1910, right. 1910, somewhere right in there. And, and I, will, I will tell you this, John, there's a funny story if you go back and look in the Aniston Star files. In the mid-19-teens, May 15, almost 20, there was a Confederate veteran in Oxford who wanted to move the Pelham statue to the city square. And the UDC threw a fit and prevented it. Really? Yes. So there's, there has always been a little bit of a struggle and a give and take about, in Jacksonville, at least from what I can read in, the, in our uh, archives at the newspaper, eyes. of what... These Confederate monuments, should they be at the cemetery or should they be at the city square? And quite frankly, the UDC always won those arguments. Of course. Was so. it still called the Aniston Hot Blast then? Um, in the, the <laughs> 19 uh, teens, no, it had just changed. And by the way, I will tell you this the Aniston Star should never have changed the name. We should still be the Aniston Hot Blast. That's such, I, a, it's just such an appropriate It is a great name. Oh my gosh. And you've got a couple of Confederate monuments of your of your own down there. Yes, in, we do. And Annie, Annie's town. In Annie's town, and really, really odd because everything in Annie's town is post. Absolutely. Way. Post. And Eli Henderson wants the uh, and the Pelham monument that's on Quintard. He's he's offered to take that one as well. So. Um, I think that'd be a great thing. That's a privately owned. Yeah, absolutely. Spot. That is, I, you know, I have written about this issue for years. And for many of the same reasons that you and I have talked about. And, you know, Eli and I are, are 
uh, I wouldn't call us friends, but we are certainly cordial with each other, even though we highly disagree with these, you know, these topics. Mm-hmm. But I would absolutely support, um, you know, from whatever position I have at the newspaper, that those monuments are better served at Janney Furnace because they are it, they're not in the yeah. middle of Anniston on a public square. They're not a public space. They're not in the middle of Jacksonville on a public square. And they are at a Confederate park. If you want to go and have your Confederate heritage um, and, and, you know, either research it or acknowledge it, whatever the case may be, um, go do it and have all of that there. They already have a lot of Confederate um, monuments and imagery there. It's the perfect location. It would offend nobody. Um, and it was I, a famous spot, was a famous yes. battle site, so to speak, in the day, because so, they were making, sure enough, making yep. iron to send yep. to Selma to make cannons to shoot at the Yankees. I mean, it, it was so, it's, it's a real space. You know, that, you know from, so. from my standpoint, I certainly hope um, that that's what both the, the city councils of Jacksonville and Anniston both decide to do, because I think um, I, th- I think the time is right. And you know, my bigger overarching statement on this, John, is that. We have an opportunity in these cities to make a statement. And that statement is that, that we're better than what we used to be. That we are, that we stand for everyone. And that, you know, we're, it's not 1900 anymore. It's not even 2000 anymore. It's 2020. And we want to move forward and be as inclusive, inclusive as we can be. Well, John, hey, I do appreciate your time. Um, this is this has been great. I learned a lot about Jacksonville I didn't know, and um, maybe we can talk again if this uh, if this thing actually happens or if this doesn't happen, one way or the other. I, let's let's do That's this right. again sometime. Hey, I appreciate no, your appreciate time. It. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Star Talk, which is available wherever you normally get your podcasts, such as iTunes, Google Play, and other locations. I certainly want to thank John for letting me steal some of his time this afternoon and talk about this fascinating issue up in Jacksonville. I have no idea what the city council will do, but it's instructive nevertheless to hear John's opinion. I do need to correct one item from our discussion. Janney Furnace Park in Ohatchee is not privately owned. It's Calhoun County property, so we certainly want to make that clear. I'd like to remind all of our listeners to go back and check out some of our other Star Talk podcasts that we've recorded recently with local newsmakers. We also like to thank our subscribers. And if you'd like to subscribe, it's easy. Just go online to anistonstar.com slash subscribe. The Star can also be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Aniston Star. And our Star Talk podcast is on Facebook and Twitter at Star Talk Podcast. Until next time... This is Philip Tudor of the Aniston Star. Thanks for listening.